0: And then today we're going to talk about finding strength in God's power, and we're going to talk about Gideon. Now, a lot of you have heard of Gideon before, and I'm not talking about the guy who puts the Bibles in the hotel. This is a different guys. You know what I'm saying, right? Okay, no, not that guy. Two people got that joke, which was one more than I thought would. I'm really really excited about that guys um we're gonna go to the book of judges which again is in the old testament so you can use the blue bibles you can use your uh, bible app on your phone we will have the words on the screen but Um, As a reminder, I mentioned last week that when we look into the Old Testament, um, it's a little bit different in how we talk about it on Sunday morning, because when we talk about the New Testament, it tends to be very straightforward wisdom, preaching and teaching style, what we have become really accustomed to in the West and in the United States. So we, we really like the New Testament because it's written how we teach. Now, when we get into the Old Testament, it's much more detailed. I mean, there's a lot more detail and it's a lot more story. And so there's a lot of narrative that when we're going through the Old Testament, we, we tend to read a lot more. So whereas Paul might have a sentence packed with information that we can spend like four weeks talking about. When we go through the Old Testament, we tend to read an awful lot in one day. And so um, if you're new with us, we don't normally read this much. And if you've been with us a long time, I promise that we'll dumb it back down in a few weeks, okay? So just hang with me here. But we're going to Judges 6 and 7. And I can't cover everything in Gideon's life in the next 15, 20 minutes, okay? So you're going to get kind of this right before he becomes a hero phase is what I'm going to focus on. And so Gideon does become a hero at some point. He does have significant challenges we're going to talk about, but I'm also going to jump in kind of right in the middle of this story. And so if you're heading the Judges, go to chapter six. And real quick background, the Midianites have defeated and been ruling over Israel. And last week I mentioned very briefly that when Joshua and Caleb went into the promised land, that uh, the Israelites would have it, but then they would lose it, and then they would have it, and then they would lose it. And we're already just one book over And they've already lost it, okay? And so the Midianites are ruling over them. Now, the thing about the Midianites is that they are cruel. Not just like they came in and took over your country, cruel, but like they went out of their way to make sure that you did not like your life, And so what they would do is they would go through and they would actually, like, damage the crops that the Israelites were planting. So that way they would be hungry and they would starve. Um, They would do things like pollute the water so that way they would get sick. I mean, they were just very cruel who was over them. So what ends up happening is these Israelites start to get broken up and fragment and they start to spread. And that's where we find um, Gideon's tribe is they're actually in the mountains hiding from the Midianites. And so you can imagine if you're Gideon, your people are kind of being played with. By this this nation that you can't do anything about. You're not strong enough to overthrow, and and so you're hiding. And 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 maybe you know that's not exactly your situation today. You're not in the mountains hiding. But I think that deep down inside of us, there are things all around us that we're hiding from. And it might not be a real mountain, but maybe it's our house or our couch, or you know, it's it's our mind where we're kind of hiding ourselves from the outside world of all of the things that are coming in and and trying to get at us. Now. Um, These people pray to God like you and I would. You're faced with a really tough situation. And so you pray to God. You're like, God, I need some help. And God oftentimes doesn't just fly in. Sometimes he does, case in point, Jesus comes in and makes things right. But other times God picks someone and says, I'm going to make things right using you or using you. And in this story, he uses Gideon. And Gideon is pretty insignificant. So I don't want you to think that he is like Mr. Popular, running everything. As a matter of fact, God hardly ever uses those people. He hardly ever, if you were to just look through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, you see that God always picks the least likely. God always picks the underdog. God always picks the person you're like, oh, that's kind of that's kind of surprising. And the reason is we'll talk about that at the end. Okay. So, but all you got to know is that Gideon is one of these least likely people. Now, for you today, I believe that there are four pretty big stages that or steps between living a life of cowardice, kind of like being afraid. And living in fear and moving toward this life of courage and being courageous. And so this isn't supposed to be like all comprehensive. Like this is all, man, if you just follow these four steps exactly, boom, you're going to be strong and courageous and confident and bold and, and good looking and get the promotion and all of that. I'm not making empty promises like that, but I'm saying, I think that for a lot of us today that there's going to be something that sticks out in our mind and there's going to be a clear avenue as to what we need to do to move in the step Of being more courageous. So let's look at what Gideon does, um, the very first step with him. Um, We're gonna be talking about potential. Potential is the very first step in moving from a place of being afraid to moving a place of being confident. And I'll explain that. So when we get to Gideon's story here, he is threshing wheat in the wine press. That doesn't mean anything to me. It doesn't mean anything to you. So I had to look it up for us. And uh, the wine press is just a hole that they dug. So he's in the mountains and he's working in the ground and he's threshing wheat, which is to separate uh, the grain from the chaff. Now, um, you would normally want to do this outside because as you're separating the grain and the chaff, like you want the wind to blow the chaff away so it doesn't like get in your nose and breathe and it, it really unpleasant. Okay. But he's in the ground because he's so scared of everything going on. So it's kind of self-inflicted pain that he's putting himself through to stay out of the way. And so he's under there and um, he's hiding in the ground and um, all of Gideon's people are afraid. His family's afraid, he's afraid. And so this is just normal. Um, And I would imagine, and and you could too, right? So you've been afraid of some things that are on the outside that maybe you can't control. Um, But anytime you're scared of something on the outside, there's always stuff on the inside too that's going on that maybe you don't put a name to, but it's like insecurity, Sure, there might be this thing out there, but it's like, "Oh, I'm really insecure in here," or I'm just I just don't believe that I can do this. You have like self-doubt. And so it's not always external, but it's internal. And I believe that Gideon and his family and this tribe, they were going through both. They had this external enemy, the Midianites, and then they had what was going on, which was also difficult. Now, Gideon is hiding out working when he has his first experience in which God calls him from being a coward to seeing his potential. And we read in verse 12 that um, the Lord's messenger, an angel, shows up, appears to him and said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, that's weird. And I hope that you think that's weird. It, It is weird. Gideon is hiding in a hole in the ground, working because he's scared to be outside. And an angel of the Lord appears and says, hey, you mighty warrior. Gideon honestly probably thought the guy was making fun of him. Like I am anything but A mighty warrior. But um, the angel says, you are a mighty warrior. And this is the thing, is that God's potential is often spoken into what you could be and not what you presently are. And so when he comes to Gideon and this angel says, hey, mighty warrior, he was not talking about Gideon's present state. He was talking about the future possibilities. He was talking about, hey, mighty warrior, Gideon, that is who God created you to be. That is who you could be. Step out into this. Now, of course, you know, Gideon's not, and Gideon has a great response to this. You know, the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, Hey, you mighty warrior. And so Gideon gets psyched up and he responds in verse 15, With all due respect, my Lord, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest, and I'm the youngest in my household. God says to Gideon, Hey, mighty warrior. And Gideon says to God, You are wrong. (laughs) Now, I'm the wrong guy. I'm the wrong family, we're in the wrong tribe like you've got you got you took a wrong turn somewhere um this i 'm gideon this and you're not looking for me um and you might think that's crazy because you would think that if on the way home today, an angel of the Lord just appeared in the front seat or the back seat of your car and said, Hey, you good looking you know you'd be like, all right, like yeah, awesome, but i don 't think so, I really don 't because I think that um We have these voices in our head in which God is calling us. God's calling every single person in here to the potential that you have. And I think a lot of us say, uh, I can't do that because I'm not good enough. Like I'm not good at that or I'm not smart or we look at the past and we say, well, I've I've failed, I've screwed up, well, what about this? And and not just weeks and months, not like um, when I was in community college and Halo 3 came out and I almost flunked out because I was like working my way up the leaderboards. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about major years where you've invested yourself into something and then you get to the end of it and it's like, what do you have to show for it? And maybe it's a midlife crisis or a quarter-life crisis, and you're like, I'm 30 or I'm 50, and what do I have to show for my life? And God is saying, here's the potential. You know, Rebecca, Judd, fill in the blank. This is who you are. And we kind of say, uh, eh, maybe. Uh, probably not. You know, I'm not really, I'm not like that. So we... In a way, we do act a lot like Gideon, even though I think that on the outside we would say, no, God says, nonsense, you are mighty warrior. And the tension that we feel in this is that we don't see ourselves oftentimes the way that God sees ourselves. So we wake up in the morning, and we look at ourselves, messy hair, get in the shower, come out, we're beautiful, all of that, put our clothes on, go out. And, and we see the external, and, and deep inside we know that who we are, where we've come from a lot of times. But the problem is, is that we don't see ourselves as God sees us. So that's when God comes to Gideon and says, hey, mighty warrior, Gideon doesn't see that. Gideon has a completely different view of himself than the view that God has. I want to try to convince you this morning that your existence here on earth was on purpose. Not only was it on purpose, but that you have a purpose as well as with a purpose. On purpose and with purpose. If you are here, God picked you. He put you here. Not just in this church, but I'm talking about in in 2019. And you're in Madison, Wisconsin, of all places. Some of you would never have imagined that this is where you would be. Well, you're here. Congratulations. I'm so glad that you are. And God is looking at you, and he's saying, you are a mighty warrior. You are a mighty warrior. And you're saying, but, and, so, I don't know. And God says, no, you are a mighty warrior. And some of us, this is is where we're at. I don't know what people have told you about yourself in the past. It might have been a parent. might have been somebody really close to you, and they've said something that's really kind of damaged your self-image. And maybe you're kind of like foot in this potential. I'm believing in God, but you got a foot back here. But this is who they said I am, and they know me really well. And I want to encourage you to ignore those people, your tribe, your family, because God's potential. God's the one who created you, and he sees who you could step out to be. And so if you find yourself being really insecure or unconfident, you're like, I wish I was bolder. You know, the first thing that you got to do is you got to stop saying, I can't, I won't, I don't. And you got to start looking at God and say, what does God say about me? What does God say about me? And what what did God create me to do? And where does God see me in 10 years or 100 years or at the end of my life? That's kind of the first step. Now, some of you are there. Some of you are like, you know what, I'm on board. I, I totally, I'm, I'm all about that. I got, I got my eye on God's dream for my life and my vision, but um, I still walk around stressed out with anxiety. And that's not to say that mental illness isn't real because mental illness is very real. I want to just acknowledge that on the front end here before I say what I'm going to say next, because the second step in this journey of finding courage is that we find peace. That's what we see in Gideon's story is that The Lord turned to him and said, You have strength. So go and rescue Israel from the power of Midian. Am I not personally sending you? I tend to be sarcastic. So verses like this stick out in my mind because God is using sarcasm. He says, I mean, so Gideon says, I'm not, I'm the wrong guy. I'm the wrong guy. You got the wrong guy. And God says, You have the strength, so go. Do what I'm saying. Am I not personally sending you? He's asking Gideon, if you don't get what he's saying here, he's saying, are you saying I'm wrong? Are you saying I made a mistake? There's one right answer, okay? (laughs) The one right answer. Gideon still isn't sure, okay? This is awesome because I do this in my own life all the time. You think you hear from God. You're pretty sure you heard from God. Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's pretty obvious, but you know what? I would just love a sign. Like, if you could write it in the clouds, or, like, I'll put some letter... It's on my refrigerator. There's little magnets, and if like I could just wake up the next day and there's just a little message wrote out, you know, like I won't brag about it or anything on Instagram. But God, if you could just show me a sign, and that's what Gideon asked for. Gideon's like, okay, like there's an angel here who's saying mighty warrior and talking on God's behalf. But um, you know what I need? I need a sign from God. That's that's what I really need. And so God says, okay. Um, and what happens? We read in verse 21, the Lord's messenger, this the angel reached out the tip of the staff that was in his hand, and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Gideon was offering a sacrifice. Fire came up from the rock and devoured the meat and the unleavened bread. And the Lord's messenger vanished before his eyes. So Gideon asked for a sign. And a lot of us ask for a sign. Very few of us get a sign like this. He brings an offering to God. He says, "Here's some bread, and here's this and that." And then the Lord's messenger touches it, and it explodes. I mean, just poof, it's gone. And so is he, coincidentally. So Gideon says, "What's well, pretty?" Um, okay, yeah, that's clear. And a lot of us, I know, that th- we're looking for that sign, we're not quite getting it. But Gideon gets the sign, and Gideon builds an altar there, and Gideon says, "The Lord makes." peace. That's what's written in verse 24. The Lord makes peace. And so he piles up a bunch of stones. He makes an altar. And by making an altar thousands of years ago, Gideon was essentially saying, every time I pass through here, I want to remember something, that the Lord makes peace. Because just a moment ago, Gideon's a guy hiding in the ground working. And an angel appears to him and says, you've got potential. This is what God sees in you. So he's taking a step out. But now he's scared, and reasonably so. His people are being killed, and they're outnumbered, and there's nothing that makes sense about Gideon leading. It's not like he's a killer warrior here. It's not like he has battlefield experience. I mean, he's a guy who's separating wheat. And he takes this step out, and he says he finds peace. And for a lot of us, that's where that's where we're at. We're looking for peace, there are things that are falling apart all around you, or it feels like it's falling apart all around you. It could be at school, it could be at work, it could be with your mental health. It could be so many things. There are so many things in our lives that could be going wrong, honestly. And so we're like, I believe what God says about me, but when I look around at my world, why does it seem like everything is just flying out of control? Why? Why is that? And I think that what needs to happen is that we need to change kind of our framework. in, In the church world, we talk a lot about believing in God, and that's important. We should believe in God. But we need to believe that God also believes in us. That doesn't mean the enemies go away. Gideon didn't have peace because all of a sudden the Midianites were gone. Gideon doesn't come out of the ground and all of a sudden his enemies are gone. Gideon doesn't come out of the ground and I don't think that those anxieties and the stresses that he felt went away. I don't think any of that, but Gideon finds peace in the middle of all of that. And I think that the answer is is that we have to find an eternal peace that can only come from a relationship with God. And we find that eternal internal peace and it doesn't matter what's going on at work or it doesn't matter what's going on at school because my peace isn't dependent on the actions of other people. My peace is dependent on the God, the living God who is in me, with me, working through me. And so I think that when we step out into potential, we say, yes, I'm making a choice to believe what God says about me. But then the second thing, the choice that you need to make is that I'm going to have peace, not based on what I see around me, but based on who is in me. So you're like, okay stepping out into potential, feeling good. You know what? Life's not perfect, but I'm going to believe that God is with me, protecting me, walking with me. So what's next? Um, We would love to skip to number four, and we're not going to because there's a number three. And number three, I think, is positively our least favorite, and that is the test. It's the test. we don't see it coming because it is a test. It's kind of like a pop quiz where we step out in the potential and we tell ourselves we're going to have peace. And then what we don't expect is that God kind of throws something in there. You know, we expect the world to be all wonky and ups and downs and we get all that and we get people are going to do stupid stuff. But what we don't expect is that occasionally God drops the test in there. And that's where we pick up the story with Gideon here is that, um, you know, part of the reason that, Gideon and the Israelites had their land taken over was because they started uh, double dipping in other religions, which was actually really popular. Like thousands of years ago, um, Christianity was weird and Judaism at this time. It was weird because they were monotheistic. They had one God over everything. And almost every other society, almost every other culture at that point had a God for like everything. Sun God, moon God, All of that. Now, what the Israelites start to do is they kind of like hedge their bets. I mean, can you blame them? Right? They're like, "What if we're wrong about this God? We'll just kind of make an offering to this God. We'll say a prayer to this God. We'll just cover all of our bases." And so you can see, it's like, "Well, okay, like I I I get it, but that makes God mad." I mean, one of the very first things that God tells these people is that you're not supposed to have any other gods. Like, I am the God. I am the dude. And so when they start to do this, God says, "Okay, well, if this is how you're going to be, we're going to let the Midianites come in and, and God withdraws his protection of them. The Midianites come in and, um, and so when God comes to Gideon, he's going to give them a test here. And in verse 25, the Lord says to Gideon, "Take your father's bull and a second bull, seven years old, very, very expensive animals, okay, just in a society that didn't have a lot. This was like the cream of the crop, their' bulls. Break down your father's altar to Baal, and cut down uh, the Asherah that is beside it. So this is a big test on multiple fronts. One, it's a spiritual test. God says, hey, I want you to come back to worshiping me and only me and loving only me and me first. But the second thing is, notice what he says. He says, I want you to go tear down your daddy's altar. I want you to just go break that thing down. And I want you to take his prized possessions and I want you to kill him. I mean, like, this is like, I mean, a lot of times we think that God's like, God is with us, God is for us. Like, I'm going to charge in and, and we're going to have the victory. And we love that. But we don't want this test in which God is calling us to step out and do some very uncomfortable things sometimes. Things where we're like, well, what if my dad was offended that, like, totally rejected his religion? Not only that, but, like, I go and I tear down his altar. Like, what, if, what am I supposed to do? And God says, go do that. And oftentimes before we step out, we step out on the potential and we find the peace. And before God's going to give us the victory, he gives us a little test first. Are you up to the challenge of what I have for you next? Are you up for this? God believes in you. God thinks you're going to pass the test. But do we? And I think a lot of us, we face the test and we think that's the war and we go home. And we just give up. We give up way too soon, way too prematurely. We never get past the test, so we never experience the victory that God has. And I'm talking to a relatively young group of people here. I mean, so we're we're relatively young, and and what I would just beg is, like, don't get to the end of your life. Never experiencing real victory because you never took the test. Never picked the pencil up because you never gave it a shot. Because you thought the test was the intimidating thing. And it wasn't because God had something even better for you after the test, even though it was, it was much more difficult. And so we have to prove it. we got to do the test. And then we don't have to always do it alone. God is with us, um, and God does this, and, and he's with us. And so what will we do? What is first place in your life? Because oftentimes, I think that we think it's God, and it's, it's oftentimes something else. And that's what God is getting at with Gideon, is that his family had taken his eyes, their eyes off God, that the tribe had taken their eyes off God, that the whole country had taken their eyes off of God. So what is it that is sitting on the throne in your life? A couple suggestions, and if any of these like irritate you, I might be touching on it, okay? Perhaps it's your calendar. Like you pride yourself on being busy or you pride yourself on always doing stuff or going here, going there, and you don't have time for anything. And so perhaps what God is calling you to do is put him on the throne and make more time for him, whether that's praying, reading the Bible, going to church, going to small group, I don't know what volunteering, what it might be. But perhaps that's it. Again, if that irritates you that I'm telling you your calendar like might be Lord of your life, maybe it is. Okay. It might be money. And money is so easy to become the Lord of our lives. I mean, I I know that I've constantly gotta battle that because I mean How many decisions do you make based on money? Or not having it oftentimes is my case. I don't know if I'm the only one. But how many times does that become the case? Where it's like all of our decisions become based on money. What's coming in and what's going out? Perhaps money is the Lord in our life. And so the test might be to do something to push money off the throne. To push calendar off the throne. To push whatever it might be that's not God off the throne and put God back on the throne. If we can do this, we step out into our potential, we find our peace, we pass the test, we will have victory. We talked about that a lot last week, God's promises, okay? So if you weren't here last week, I'd encourage you to just go back and listen to last week because I'm going to skip all of the stuff on God's promises and just talk specifically about Gideon's victory here. Um, What we read in verse 34 is that the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. Um, It literally translates that the Spirit of God clothed himself with Gideon so you think about the shirt you put on today and the pants and the shoes and you think about the in the original language here is that the spirit clothed it completely covered Gideon and then we could read the rest of of Judges 6 and 7 and we're not going to but essentially Gideon goes out he blows his trumpet bunch he says who's gonna fight with me we're going to overthrow the Midianites. Now, remember, this is a guy who maybe like hours ago or days ago was in a hole in the ground, okay? And now he's blowing his trumpet. He says, we're going to go to war. And, and Gideon's never won a war. And he's never gone in the battle. We don't even know if he knows how to use the sword, really. And, and he's saying, let's go do this. And and amazingly, what happens is that some 30,000 people come to Gideon's call. Some 30,000 people come to Gideon's call. Now, that sounds awesome. It sounds so awesome, except that the Midianite army had 130,000 people. And so you still had a one to five ratio here. So for every one person um, that you had, you had to kill five just to break even at the end. And so not great odds at all. You definitely still needed God. But here's the crazy thing, okay? So here's the crazy thing. Um, God actually tells Gideon, that's too many. Long story short, there's like three or four exchanges in which God keeps sending people home. <laughs> and eventually Gideon's left with 300 men. and he has There's Gideon. And there's 300. And God says, bingo, we got it. Now I want to back up to that previous step, the test, right? Because when we're stepping from potential to peace to the test, the test doesn't make much sense. But when we're getting lined up for the victory, all of a sudden the test makes sense. Because if Gideon couldn't go and knock over an altar and kill some bulls, and make God back, number one, how in the world was Gideon going to send away 30,000 men and take a few hundred in the battle? Essentially, this is like a death sentence for Gideon. I mean, it's, it had to be how he felt, was that I'm going to go and die. But Gideon believes in God, not just that he's a mighty warrior, but he has peace about it, no matter the external situation. Now, um, Again, long story just made short, okay? Um, the odds. I said it was five to one previously. When you send everybody home except the 300, it's 450 to one, just so you know. So you've got to kill every one person 450 to break even when it's all said and done. God gives them a strategy. He says, Gideon, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get a trumpets. I want you to get some clay pots, and I want you to get some torches, And I want you to go in the middle of the night with your 300 men. And uh, you're going to divide them into three groups. You're going to surround the Midianite camps. um, And every mighty warrior, all 300 of them, every mighty warrior in the middle of the night is going to break a clay pot. They're going to blow their trumpet. And they're going to flash their torch. Notice Swords and bows and arrows were not mentioned here. Because if I'm going into battle, those are the, like, what weapon am I using? And, and what kind of armor do I have and shields? And God's like, go get a flower pot. Go, bring, go get your flute or your trumpet and uh, something that you can light on fire. I mean, this, does this not seem like a bad plan that just keeps getting worse from a human perspective? I mean, this is, okay, Gideon does it. And what ends up happening is the Midianites freak out. Jump out of their tents, half asleep. They really weren't expecting an attack. And um, they kill themselves, is what we read. Is that they're confused. They don't know who the enemy is. Because they didn't have 30,000, they had 300. So they couldn't tell who the enemy was. And they got confused. And there's some over here and there's some over there. And obviously, if you're an army of 135,000 people, you don't know everybody. It's the middle of the night, it's dark. And all 300 go home. And they defeated the Midianites. It's a tremendous victory. And it's a story that keeps getting told. We love to talk about Gideon at this point. And I hope you know that, like, I'm ending it here. (laughs) I don't want to talk about Gideon post-victory. I want to talk about all of the stuff that took Gideon to that victory. I mean, that's crazy. The road that he took to become a mighty warrior. And oftentimes in life, that's what it's going to look like for you. And I say this a lot, and I'm going to say it again. Just because you're facing adversity in life, just because things are going hard, it doesn't mean that God's not with you. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean you're doing the wrong thing. Sometimes you can be doing the right things that God wants you to do, and life can be just very difficult. Sometimes that's Okay. To live in that tension. And we got to believe that I have inner peace and that I'm hearing from God and that what's going on around me, I'm going to ignore that because I'm going to focus on God and I find my peace in God and what He calls me to be. Some of you are ready for that fourth experience. You've passed the test. You believe in the potential. Now it's time to step out and walk in obedience. What is God calling you to do? It may not make sense. We walk in that trusting that God's not only chosen us, but that he's given us the strategy to overcome whatever it is that we're facing. I love the story of Gideon, um, and not just because it's an awesome story, but because I really do believe that it's for every single person today. Um, a couple things that I would say are, like super applicable to our lives today. Um, One, we read that in the final stage that the Spirit comes on Gideon when he goes into victory. Um, And we know that from the New Testament, that's actually now the first step. So what was Gideon's last step of receiving the Holy Spirit is our first step. And so I would say that no matter where you're at, if you're you're living around just strucken by anxiety and stress and just freaking out and before you even step out in anything, you need to pray and, and ask God's Holy Spirit to come on you, in you, work through you. That needs to be the foundation. That needs to be the first step. Before I'm ever going to step out on the potential or find my peace or pass the test or have the victory, I need to have the Holy Spirit in me, working through me. Um, I need all of that. The the second thing is to figure out what stage you're in, and it's probably pretty obvious for you. I don't know all of your stories, your background, but you're probably like, hey, you know what? I'm being tested right now and it's really difficult and I don't see how God's working in this situation, but I need to trust that God is and I need to pass the test. It might be that I need to quit telling myself that I'm a failure. I need to quit listening to these voices because God says that I'm a child of his and that he has dreams and plans for my life. Some of it might be the victory. Now, respond appropriately, right? Because it's easy to just come to church and we're going to leave here in a few minutes. And say, hey, I did, my, I did like my Christian thing. And and maybe you feel great after this message. Maybe you don't. Maybe it's like, yeah, he did okay. Um, that's oftentimes how I feel walking off. I did okay. But to not just hear from me, Stephen, pastor, who lives on the west side of Madison, but to hear from God today and to know that you have potential. You can have peace. You can pass the test and you will have victory. But what is it that you need to do? You need. Do you need to tell those voices to stop? Do you need to say, I'm tired of trying to have a perfect life before I find peace? Because oftentimes what we do, if I just get the promotion, I just get the raise, I'll finally have peace. It's never going to happen like that. You find peace first and things will start to fall into place. What is the test? Is it time to trust God and to start stepping out in the victory? It might be sound like a bad plan, but maybe it's that we need to do that this week. It could be with your relationships, with your money, with your calendar. Again, and as I look around at all of you and I I really, I believe in you. I mean, really, I do. And even if we don't know each other very well, I believe that if you're here today, it's for a reason, because there's like 200 churches in Madison. And you very easily could have gone to any one of them. Actually, there's like two, maybe 100 feet that way. But you're here today. And so I believe that God has something to speak to you today. And it's that you are mighty, or some variation of it. That there is a step for you. And to step out into that, and to take those steps. Again, this is just one week of a four-week series on how to be courageous and strong and bold and confident. But one of the things that we're going to find and that we studied in Gideon's story is that God's power is over us.